we listened to the families and we have made changes based on this paper. Our food allergy program is multidisciplinary. We have a team like the families have asked for. We have a team of allergists, nurses, we have a dietitian and psychologists on board. We are specifically screening families, and this is both parents and their child for food allergy related anxiety at every initial visit mm-hmm. and at every subsequent follow up visit because families said that that's important. We heard them. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt, the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Welcome to the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alice Hoyt, and I will be joined in a moment for the interview uh, with my co-host Pam and the author of the paper, Parenting a Child with Food Allergy. Really the focus of this series, Parenting a Child with Food Allergy, Rishma Chunidas. Now, Rishma is accomplished. She has multiple grants. And when she and I were talking a little bit before the show, she shared with me that when she completed her master's degree in nursing, her focus was actually on food allergy. And her thesis was on parents' experiences with epinephrine use during their child's anaphylactic reaction. And so that really led her to wonder about resources or lack thereof for families coping with a new food allergy diagnosis Hence the study that we are about to to really highlight in this discussion with Rishma. So what are we waiting for? Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Excited to be joined today by my co-host, Pam. Hey, guys. And y'all, I'm so excited because, you know, we've been doing a series about what's really, what food allergy families are really experiencing when they're not in the clinician's office. And we have the first author on our amazing paper that we've been discussing. Um, I say our, it's not our at all. It is hers and hers team. And they worked (laughs) very hard to, to make this paper um, come to be. So I am so excited to have here our nurse super expert, Rishma Chunidas. Thank you so much for joining us, Rishma. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I have to say though, well, let me hop in real quick and say that she keeps saying our paper because it feels like our paper. Like it feels like you wrote it for every food allergy parent out there. And I'm one of those. I am not the medical mind behind this podcast. That's Dr. Hoyt. Um, I'm the food allergy mama in this podcast. And when you, when I read your y'all's paper, I told Alice, I nodded the whole time. I was in my car in the pickup line. I, I kept saying, yep. Mm-hmm, yep. That's us. And it was just such a, like a breath of, of fresh air to know that clinicians and people out there in the medical community hear us and feel us. So thank you for, for doing this for us. 
Thank you so much for telling me that. That's exactly what we wanted. We wanted to hear from parents and families and be able to publish that because they're the ones who are dealing with the anxiety and the fear. They're living this life day in and day out. And sort of on that note, what was there a moment that that said, you know what, we need to do this study? Or was it a compilation of your experiences with your food allergy group there? What what sort of prompted the writing of this beautiful paper? Great question, Alice. I, I do think it was a compilation of, of a whole bunch of factors. We know that there's been multiple studies that look at the anxiety and uh, the lower quality of life in patients living with food allergies. And these emotions have been seen in parents as well. You know, I've heard parents describe their child's first reaction, like an anaphylactic reaction, it can be traumatic. And then there's a lot of anxiety navigating life with a new diagnosis. It's one thing for a healthcare provider to say, you've had anaphylaxis to something, I'd like you to avoid the allergen. And here's an auto injector. But it's a different story altogether about what families feel like when they leave that emergency department. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that referrals take time. It could be months. And that's the waiting game. That's the period of the unknown. In the meantime, where do these families get their information to manage and cope with their child's food allergy? A lot of them go to Google or social media, and anyone can post on social media and sometimes posts can cause more fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So we noticed that there wasn't any studies, not in Canada, that were actually asking parents, what do you need? Mm-hmm. How do you want this information delivered? And who do you want to learn from? I mean, it's it just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, it's amazing because that's exactly how it feels. It's exactly how it feels. Here's your auto injector. And then we go straight to Google. And we've talked about this in multiple episodes about how, you know, Google can give you a lot of information and some really good information for a lot of things. But when you're dealing with something like a food allergy, not everybody's story is the same. And just because you had a really bad experience does not mean that that's everybody else's experience. But when you read about that experience and then you start playing that what if game. Well, then if they had a really bad time eating out, then maybe I shouldn't eat out either. And, you know, and then it kind of spirals into this whole, and and what we talked about when we were discussing your paper is that it all led back to the anxiety. You know, the anxiety was sort of like that first theme, but all of the other sub themes and themes led back to that anxiety and um, just so good. I mean, just so good. Yeah. And I'm going to recap the themes. Definitely. If you haven't listened to our other episodes on, on this amazing research that Rishma's group um, has done is doing, then go back and listen to those episodes. But here are the three themes within the paper. Um, Anxiety that this is an emotional roller coaster, Um, a transformational journey and the need for resources. And I think, you know, as I read this as an allergist, I had the same reaction that Pam had of just nodding my head because I try to provide my patients with the most and the best information possible. And 
I know that in the limited amount of time I have with my patients, that I'm not able to provide them with everything that they need, um, nor are they necessarily in a state of mind right there when we're talking about, okay, your child has a food allergy, it puts them at risk of anaphylaxis, which can cause death. And now they need to carry this injectable life-saving medication. Um, I can, I'm a mother, but I, I, my child does not have food allergy like Pam. So I, I can only imagine what a family is going through when they're receiving that information. Um, I've certainly received diagnoses of about things, my daughter, myself, whatever. And whenever you're receiving a diagnosis, you're not necessarily in a state of mind to, to, to learn everything, much less ask all the questions that, that you need to know the answers to. And this, this research that y'all are doing, Rishma, where you just, it's, it's such a no brainer of going to the families, asking them, what, what are, what are your challenges? And how can we address those? And it was just, it's laid out beautifully in the paper. Hi there. This is Alexis from the Hoyt Institute of Food Allergy. Did you know that the Institute is the official sponsor of the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast? And did you also know that you are now able to connect with Dr. Hoyt directly? That's right. We are now offering food allergy office hours for parents. These one-on-one virtual sessions are available for parents all across the country. It's an educational session, not an office visit, where you can ask all of your food allergy questions and finally get answers. It's as comfortable as having a cup of coffee with your bestie. Simply click the link in the show notes to schedule and mention this ad. We are so, so excited to connect with parents across the globe with this new service. Okay, now back to Pam and Dr. Hoyt. We realize that as healthcare providers, we have all this great information that we were taught and we try and teach these families, but that might not be the best way for them to learn. So they are the experts with themselves. So hearing from them and understanding what they needed during that crucial time was very important. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. What, what surprised you about y'all's findings? Which is really interesting is that some families left the emergency department after having an anaphylactic reaction with no resources. So they leave after this traumatic episode, watching their child having anaphylaxis. They leave the emergency department without any resources, just saying, please avoid this allergen if they knew what it was. Mm -hmm. They receive no prescription at times and no teaching about how to use an auto injector. Mm -hmm. So we're sending these families out back into the world with really nothing after experiencing a very, very scary situation. That I I would say that that is incredibly frustrating. Um, I want to say it's surprising, but I can't say it's completely surprising being that we as allergists, I think, and we in the allergy community, um, we, we need to do better. 
regarding teaching our colleagues Mm -hmm. about anaphylaxis, about about what the most up-to-date information is regarding how to treat a reaction. And some protocols I still see, um, whether it's first responder protocols, whatever it is, is the watch and wait protocol of you see someone having a reaction, give Benadryl and then watch and wait to see if it gets better. And that we, we know is not what the evidence supports, Mm -hmm. but until we as allergists are able to get more information to our colleagues and this, this is a discussion Pam and I had, um, with, uh, Dr. Brian Schroer, um, a few weeks ago, and she's giggling because we seem to always bring up that episode. Rishma, this is going to be an episode that we always bring up too. So just get ready. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's, it's just, we need to do better yeah. with, um, teaching our non-allergy colleagues. Um, so Pam, kind of what are your thoughts regarding the, how Rishma's team like broke down the themes? I think it's fantastic. And I think it, I think it also goes back to what you were saying. It all kind of goes back to that, the anxiety, the the what if game and how do we get our answers or how do families get their answers to their what if questions? Yeah, definitely. I think for sure, um, to me, they were broken down in a way that was one easy to understand, but that it just made sense. You know, that first one, um, dealing kind of more with the anxiety and how we felt afterward, um, really to me, was the most important almost just in terms of bringing awareness to how we feel afterward, because I feel like we all, um, have a sense of anxiety. And I just think that that's just, again, that's just that, that first thing, do I still have anxiety? Sure. Is it managed? Do have, I lived this life for 10 plus years and, and it is just what it is and it's our life. Yeah. Am I still worried? Absolutely. But I've, I'm past that hump, you know, I'm, and, and there's always a new hump, you know, with every stage of life, there's always a new hump that I worry about, but I'm past that initial hump. So I thought it was just so great that y'all broke that down first and, and really made it important. And then the other things I thought were just great because they were also so true. And it all led back to that kind of, to me, main theme. But then that final one as to what can we do better or or what was the finding? What did we learn? And, And basically it was, we need a system in place that you get the diagnosis here's all the information that you need. And here are the resources that you need to go forward. I think that really obviously was the star, but it's how we get that information to the general practice of doctors and nurses that I think really um, is a key importance here. You know, how, here's what we know, how do we get it out there? Yeah. On that note, Rishma, what, what have you guys done now that you found all this information, um, which I'm sure you kind of suspected a lot of this anyway, based on all of your experience, um, what, what has this information done regarding how you guys approach food allergy families now? How has it changed your practice, enhanced your practice? Tell us more about that. So this study was really important and we, um, 
we listened to the families and we have made changes based on this paper. Our food allergy program is multidisciplinary. We have a team like the families have asked for. We have a team of allergists, nurses, we have a dietitian and psychologists on board. We are specifically screening families and this is both parents and their child for food allergy related anxiety at every initial visit mm -hmm. and at every subsequent follow-up visit because families said that that's important. We heard them. We've done a lot of work on mental health and food allergy, and we've even developed and implemented a validated food allergy anxiety screening tool. We've gone as far as partnering up with local counseling clinic to provide our patients with strategies for food allergy related anxiety, even anxiety as a barrier for accessing food allergy immunotherapy, any needle phobia as it relates to epinephrine auto injector use. We've even developed a strategy to co-manage anxious patients with clinical counselors during an oral food challenge or a food allergy immunotherapy start to provide cognitive behavioral therapy resources right there on the spot. We've uh, developed and use a video for overcoming phobias around auto-injector use. If families have that phobia, we even offer families to come into the clinic, um, come into the clinic or the office with us. There's supports, there's counseling. We'll have our, our video there to get past their phobia. We have gone as far as they, they mentioned in the study that they wanted peer support groups. And I've heard that before in other research that I've done, families want to hear from families. They don't always want to hear from a nurse or a doctor. They want to hear from other people who experience the same thing, who are living their life. And so there are some local support groups that have created a local community for food allergy patients. Um, and that's been wonderfully attended. Wow. That's and, amazing. And, um, for our listeners, we're recording via Zoom today. And um, well, y'all know I usually can see Pam when we're recording and I see the head nodding, the head nodding with this amazing list of components of a patient's food allergy, a family's food allergy experience. And um, very little of that had to do with um, directly with the role of the allergist. Um, and I think that that sort of hits the nail on the head is that as an allergist, it's definitely my role to diagnose and diagnose correctly. Um, and if, if you're just tuning into the show for the first time, um, when you check back other episodes, you're going to find that we're very pro ingestion challenge here to, um, really confirm if there's any doubt that a child has a food allergy, because we don't want children, unnecessarily avoiding foods, not because, oh, it's, it's kind of annoying to avoid peanut butter, but because of the anxiety that comes along with having a food allergy and with the other quality of life issues that come along, whether it's having to sit at a certain table at school, um, or not, not being able to go on a field trip because you don't have your auto injector that day or whatever, whatever the issue may be. Um, but I do think it's the allergist role to assemble these types of teams. And I love hearing this list of um, tasks, activities, um, opportunities 
for, for different therapies, not just the oral immunotherapy, right? That's more the medical stuff, but the, how to actually get through the oral immunotherapy, how to start it, how to do the challenge. All of what you're saying, Rishma is bold, but such so necessary to a point where I hate to even say it's bold. It's bold relative to what um, is going on in a lot of offices where food allergy is diagnosed. And I think some of that comes with this being a relatively new disease and with doctors focusing on the doctor part of it, of the diagnosis and the acute and the chronic therapy. But I'm so happy that people like you, your team are studying this in a very scientific way with your focus groups and getting good information for us so that we can start to implement all these amazing things that you are already providing. And that I know some other allergists across the country do provide for their patients, but really taking this to the next level of this isn't a, oh, we're going to go to this food allergy center because they have all these things, but everywhere where they're practicing food allergy, they have these things because they are so necessary. Mm-hmm. When you spoke about the anxiety screening tools, the needle, pho- needle phobia and having the cognitive therapist, that is just so amazing for me because I had my kids just a couple of days, a days ago, my daughter's 11 and she's the one with the food allergy, but I had both of them. We have so many, you know, expired auto injectors and I have, we, have, we pulled some out and we had, you know, training again, you know, let's actually use a real one. We used a banana and an orange because that's what we had on hand. And I had them practice and I realized, cause it had been a while, how scared they were to hurt themselves. And I told them, I said, look, guys, this is all about making sure that she is safe and it does not matter. Like you yank the thing, you put it in the leg and, and, you know, you don't have to baby this thing. And it never really occurred to me that even though we've used it before, we've had to use it on her, that she's not scared of the needle. It's, it's sort of like the whole process of doing it. And I told them, I said, you guys, if this were to ever happen, you, you're going to, you're you're going to be scared and you're going to have to just be able to know how to do it. And so we had a little bit of talk about that, but that is just so important. And the cognitive behavioral therapist, when my daughter went in for her first food challenge, we went to um, Texas children's hospital in Texas and Houston, and they had a cognitive behavioral therapist that came in and spoke with her. She was, you know, very upset and she was anxious and especially having to eat a food that she thought may have caused a reaction. And she saw that my daughter was playing Legos because Legos sort of center her and, and they, they give her peace a little bit. And, um, and she just kind of sat on her level and she played along with her. And before I knew it, she, she stopped crying and, you know, and, and that is just so needed. I think more, you know, Texas children's is such a big institution. And so they're able to provide that. But if, if somehow we could, um, just get all of that across the country and really just across the world, let's just be honest. Um, it's just so great. And then we did have to go to a therapist for a little bit after her initial, what we thought was, um, an anaphylactic reaction to uh, a candy bar. And 
she lost a tremendous amount of weight. She stopped eating. She wouldn't even eat foods at our house because she was so scared of it. And we couldn't find a food allergy therapy therapist, but we did find a great one who was amazing. And she worked with her so well to, um, sort of get her out of that realm of being scared of foods. But that's another thing, you know, do we need to provide that extra class to, um, the counseling professions and the therapy professionals and doctors, um, to know what to look for in a food allergy, that it's not just about being, you know, whatever the other mental health issues are that, that food allergy anxiety is real and and it's true. And we need people who know how to help with that. I mean, it's just so great. Mm -hmm. I'm just rambling, but it's just so great. Well, on that note, Pam, um, Rishma, and I know we're, we're coming up to our time. I would like to ask you, you know, there are allergists who listen to our show and I know that a lot of them are thinking, how, how can I start providing some of these things for my patients? What role do you think that telemedicine can play in providing, especially some of the mental health support for our families? I think right now, just with the pandemic, I think everything has been going more virtual. And I think it's a really great platform to be able to access that care. For families who can't, you know, take the time to travel to get to an appointment for parking, I feel like online telemedicine is convenient. It's a great resource. And you can actually be able to still take the time and help your patients and hear what they need. Mm -hmm. I do think counseling has been great. We have used, our counselors have been using during COVID telemedicine to reach our, uh, our families for anxiety. That's great. This is amazing. Rishma, (laughs) what have we not asked about today that our listeners need to hear about your work, your group, your efforts, what, what have we not asked? Anything you have coming up that we need to keep an eye on? Well, there's always stuff in that. In the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as families go, it's really important because I know how isolating it can be as soon as you hear that diagnosis to reach out for credible sources, look online. There are some credible sources, talk to peer support groups. The more information you have, the better. In a perfect world, in the emergency department, there will be standardized resources and contact numbers for people when they leave with their prescription Mm -hmm. and how to use teaching, how to use an auto injector. They'll have resources that they can go home, they can process and make that call or go on to specific websites. That's the dream. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. You guys are awesome. I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. That's the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode today. What do you think about it? What are your needs for you and your child with food allergy? Let me know. Visit me at foodallergyandyourkiddo.com. Sign up for the newsletter and never miss an episode of the podcast. God bless you and God bless your family.